Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. And today we're welcoming Lena Koch, who is the CEO and co-founder of Access Law. And she's here to talk to us about untraditional legal paths and obtaining a position at Access Law. So welcome, Lena. It's great to have you here. Hi, Faye. Thanks for having me. I'm just going to give you a little bit of background about Lena because she's very impressive. She's been recognized as one of Canada's top 25 most influential lawyers by the Canadian Lawyer Magazine and Profit Guide, Canada's top female entrepreneurs. And what has she been doing in the past seven years? She's been growing access to exponential rate. It's spreading across Canada and heavily focused on the company's operations and technology areas in order to do that. She believes that if we combine uh, efficiencies and forward-thinking technologies, we will be able to achieve a much better delivery of legal services. And that's what Access is all about. So if you join Access, you're going to be in a fast-moving company with lots of innovation. So let's just dig down into this a little bit, Lena, and start with how did it all begin? Sure, sure. I'd love to. So we started we started Access in around 2012-2013. At the time, I I was running a real estate investment business. And part of what we did was we dealt with a lot of external lawyers just for, you know, various contract drafting, that type of thing. And I started to just sort of become increasingly frustrated by, you know, just the turnaround times and the cost I, I found wasn't always, you know, commensurate with the output. And I mean, certainly that's not to say that that's always the case, but that was just my experience. And I just started to sort of say, you know what, if this is happening to me in business, I wonder, you know, how many people this is happening to in various other aspects of their life, you know, everyday Canadians. This is certainly nothing to put, you know, put any specific lawyers down. I just felt that the industry sometimes wasn't as efficient as it could be. And it was excluding a big segment of the population because of that, because, you know, not everyone has a lawyer on speed dial. Not everybody has, you know, extra money to pay if something goes over budget or if they don't know how much it's going to cost. I think that's very true because Mm -hmm. in my experience, when I was practicing in Canada, I found that there's this in-between group. There's the poor and there's the rich. And the in-between is the people that often don't seem to have the access to the legal services. And everybody assumes that they can have it, but they don't easily go to a lawyer or find one. So I think this was a real niche area that you really picked up on. And just tell us a little bit more about where it went from there. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's a really good observation you make because I think a lot of people, until they have more dealings with the legal industry, they, they feel like, you know, if I'm a middle-income person, surely I should be able to afford a lawyer. And you know, sometimes that's the case. If you close a house, you know, usually you can afford it to pay your real estate lawyer. But I know a lot of people who are well above medium household income in Toronto, which isn't a low income. And, you know, they go through something like a divorce and it bankrupts them, financially ruins them. And again, that's nothing to say against the specific lawyers who are, who are providing those services. I just think that the system needs to be revised such that everyday Canadians can actually get those legal services that they need. So that, that was sort of where the starting point was. And we thought, well, let's look at the services that most Canadians need. So most Canadians, you know, their first interaction with a lawyer is either buying a house or getting a will, something like that. Everybody needs a will. A lot of people need a real estate lawyer. 
So we thought, well, let's, let's start addressing these services and why don't we try to offer these in an environment that is accessible to people? We'll just put ourselves right in front of people, try to come up with some operational efficiencies where we can offer them at a lower price and see what happens. And what happened? Uh, <laughs> well, that's a big story. Essentially, what we did is we, we reached out to Walmart, who we thought, where do everyday Canadians go? A lot of them will go to Walmart. They might get their groceries there. They might buy their kids clothes there. It's, it's a great place to just test, sort of pilot our idea that putting ourselves in front of clients and finding ways to offer it a little bit less expensively and more conveniently will satisfy that demand. So we opened up our first office. I'd actually never been there before. We built out this office space. It's still there today. It does really well, actually. And we first saw services that we offered were wills and notaries and real estate closings. And we built a little document generation system so that you could come in and get your will done on the spot. So you would come in, you'd meet with me. I would do a full consultation while you were, I was consulting with you. I would be noting down, you know, your answers, uh, discussing, you know, various tax consequences, et cetera. And out would come your will. We'd review it together on the screen and make any modifications necessary print it off, sign it, witness it, and you'd be out the door with your will. So it was a very sort of primitive doc gen that we built, but it worked. I mean, we were able to do wills in 60 minutes, full comprehensive wills that 90% of, of people needed. Not the and complicated ones, the, the fairly straightforward ones. Absolutely. I mean, we started with a box kind of like this and we thought, let's <laughs> start with being too big. Service. Exactly. You know, we, you're never going to be everything for everyone. So we thought we're only going to do things that we know we can do really well, because the goal is to be able to do them efficiently, but at a very high quality. So that doesn't mean if you know, you come to me and you need an extremely complex will with a bunch of different trusts and et cetera, et cetera. We were not set up to do that on day one at all. We were like, okay, you know, most Canadians probably want this. And it was a guess. But let me tell you, after doing tens of thousands of wills, it is amazing how similar people are. They're much more similar than different. Most people just kind of want to give their stuff to their family and their friends. And, you know, there are variations, certainly. But most people are actually a lot more similar than you'd think. So you actually did some research yourself before you started that process into the wills. You went to a number of different lawyers and, and had them do your wills. And how did that process, what did you learn from doing that? Well, yeah, that, that was interesting. So our uh, competitive analysis before we started, we thought, well, okay, all we had is a hypothesis at that point. We thought it seems to us that certain things are more expensive than they need to be or more cumbersome or require a lot of visits. So we went to three different law firms and we just kind of randomly picked them we googled them in the downtown area we thought well we'll get we'll each get a will done and this was myself and my business partner at the time um, mark morris so we thought we're each going to go get a will done and just see what the experience is like and we'll compare notes afterwards at these three firms it was good i mean in a couple of the instances there were my name was wrong or something but it, it's okay it's it's a, it's an unusual name i i understand you know <laughs> made the few last revisions off you go signed witness and at the door so i thought you know what cost about $400 was the average. And I thought, well, look, there's nothing wrong with this. $400 is something a lot of people can afford, but it's also an amount of money that while a lot of people can afford, I, I felt that it was an amount of money that would lead a lot of people to procrastinate doing it because that's, you know, for most families, that's a few grocery trips, right? So it's like, okay, if I don't want to get a will for $400. And if I have a partner or a spouse and they want to get a will and, you know, maybe there's a bundle on the two, maybe not. 
and this is before we're even talking about power of attorneys, we're looking at $800. That is an amount of money that make a lot of people procrastinate. I think that's, so, a, that's an excellent observation about how to really look at what we can do differently in terms of legal service delivery. And I think this is a very important part of why we're what we're discussing here today about getting a position at Access, because what we're looking for in terms of people that are joining your company is people that think like you in terms of a little bit more outside the box, looking to see where there can be efficiencies, looking to see where we can deliver these legal services in a better way. You're right. You know, it was a comprehensive form, but by the time we hit 2012, we're really wanting to see some technology potentially in there to make the whole thing a lot more efficient. And I find that there's quite a lot of resistance even till today in the legal profession about innovating. And it doesn't have to be some big technical thing. It can be very simple in terms of efficiencies. So let's just talk a little bit about you developed the company and why do you think it's important to have this type of innovation other than you know, we want to reach those, those Canadians, but what else could we do with this type of innovation? There are a lot of interesting things because I think that, as you mentioned, there are, there's a lot of resistance, but not only are there efficiencies which drive down our cost of delivery, which means we can lower our prices. It also does a lot of interesting things that I've noticed as we've incorporated different processes at, at the company. It decreases errors when used properly. Whenever you're doing a manual process, you're opening yourself up to errors. I mean, of course, look, technology is not some huge safeguard where you're never going to make an error again, but it, I find that it really does limit errors. It also allows, I find, our lawyers to be a lot more creative and just try to think outside the box and say, look, at the end of the day, I want our lawyers to be able to spend their time problem solving, doing more of sort of the comp flex work. I don't want them to be spending 50% of their day doing administrative work. It's not going to be uh, an environment in which they thrive. And it's not the best use of their time. So if we can kind of use technology to do some of those administrative tasks, it opens them up to be able to spend their time really doing the things that, you know, they studied for and, and, and they excite them and they're good at. And I think that's something really important to know here, because when you talk about the company starting out in Walmart, people might not have the impression that they're actually going to be practicing interesting law, that it might sound like it's going to be cookie cutter, they just fill in the form. But in reality, you're having a lot of client contact, you're being able to interact and actually deal with the people instead of just the forms. And at the end of the day, you're going to be achieving results on a consistent and efficient basis, which I think think leads to a sense of feeling that you're being productive and it's fulfilling to be able to say that, you know, today I was able to help this number of people. And you can also look at the processes that are in place because you're always innovating. You're always looking for more efficiencies. And my understanding is your company is also expanding. You started out with that little box and then yeah. you expanded it. You went to a lot of different other types. So just tell me a little bit about where you're going with the company. Yeah, absolutely. So Exactly right. We started out with our little box in Scarborough Town Center basement, which, as I said, it's still there and it's probably one of our best performing offices. But we did that and we thought, okay, this works. This is great. Let's replicate this. So we took it and we we decided to expand it across the GTA and Access Law version 1.0 was let's build a bunch of brick and mortar 
access law law offices because this works. We've proven the concept that people will actually make use of services in a retail environment. So let's just replicate it. So we went and we built 14 of these <laughs> across the GTA and it was great. It was wonderful. They made money. And then we realized, you know what? It's like 2014. What on earth are we doing? If, if our mission is to be able to offer legal services to Canadians, convenient legal services that they can afford, we're not going to be able to reach everyone this way. We aren't. We're in the biggest city in Canada, right? right? What about the other 25 million people who aren't within reach? And we'd have people drive down from, you know, Sudbury to get their will done. A couple, mm-hmm. because it's a day in the car and they can get their wills, the full package done, two of them all together for 300 bucks. They're saving $500. So they would drive down. We started to realize this is interesting. People are willing to drive. Why are we opening up all these brick and mortar shops? So we pivoted. We use the same sort of concept that the philosophy is we would like to be able to offer high quality, convenient and affordable legal services. We're not going to do everything. We're going to slowly expand the box every year as we sort of get expertise in those areas. We're going to start like this and move outward. The only way to be able to reach everyone was to pivot to a virtual model. So we still have six offices in Ottawa and the GTA and they're great. And that's typically when people, maybe they aren't as comfortable with technology and they live within a stone's throw, they like to come in, but we are putting a lot more emphasis on virtual legal service. So that's real time virtual legal services. You're living up in Moosonee, you get on your phone at 10 o'clock at night, you're meeting with a lawyer, we're going to do a full consultation. And you're going to end up with a uh, completed will at the end of it. For example, real estate transactions, uncontested divorces. We don't do anything contested, but we have, you know, a a large enough box where we're able to now reach everybody in Ontario and hopefully Alberta and BC soon as well. So that's a great model to be moving into, especially right in the COVID area. So you're able to move and provide those legal services on a continuing basis. It allows your company to continue to expand. I understand that you've been recognized multiple times by the Golden Mail as one of the most entrepreneurial type of firms that are out there. So this is really an exciting time to be joining the firm. So let's just talk a little bit about what to expect if they work with you. What What would be the type of career that a person could have? Well, great question. You actually touched on it a little bit earlier. I would say that client interaction is a big part of it. So our lawyers consistently are face-to-face working with clients about 70% of the time, which is great if you're a people person. So it is, I would say, all of our lawyers thrive in that environment. That's a big part of what they do. And it's not just doing the same thing again and again and again. It really isn't. It is, you know, you get a lot of energy movement working with clients. I found that as well because, you know, look, when we opened, I was doing this for the first couple of years myself because that's how you, that's how you learn and figure out what works. Lots of, lots of client interaction, lots of, I would say being a self-starter is a a huge uh, bonus. We are not the type of company that is going to sort of look over your shoulder and say, there's a lot of oversight in terms of legal work. We spot check, we do weekly professional growth clinics, that type of thing. Absolutely. But I'm not going to look over your shoulder and say, you know, did you check in on time? Like you're a professional. This is, you're going to thrive in an environment where I can trust you, where you can trust us. So lots of client interaction, someone who's really passionate about what we do. I, I think that what we're doing is special. Obviously I'm biased, but I would love to be surrounded by a team. And I am surrounded by a team that feels the same way where we like each other. We respect each other. We trust each other. It's, it's a teamwork mentality. And look, 
it's a big industry out there and there are a lot of other companies doing awesome stuff like that. And I, I welcome it. I love it. I think it's great if we're all doing this kind of thing, cause it just opens doors and the lawyers that we have on our team, they, they, they love this stuff. They're all, they like to read up on legal tech and new ways to innovate. So uh, lawyers who work for us, I would say a lot of problem solving. As I said, we have weekly meetings where, you know, we choose a different moderator who will talk on a different topic. You know, maybe we'll talk on Henson Trust and we really put them in the driver's seat. You're in the driver's seat. We're here to support you. So I also understand that you have a training model. So a person doesn't have to come to your company. And we're probably talking at people that are maybe three to five years in that would be most ideal fit. And those people don't have to come with an expertise in drafting wills or real estate, that there is a lot of education that you put into your lawyers in order to be able to get them to be very comfortable and an expert in the areas that they would be practicing in. That's absolutely right. I, I feel quite strongly that in terms of the legal knowledge, the skills, we can, we can teach you that. We can teach you that if you don't come with that sort of expertise. I mean, it's not, look, it's not a little thing to learn, but it's something that we can teach you. We have the resources, we have the people. If you have the right attitude, you're passionate about doing sort of this type of thing, you're a self-starter and you're motivated, we can teach you the legal side of it. What I can't do is I can't make you have the attitude that you need to be able to, to do really well here. Okay, so just before we go into the attitude, let's just talk about remuneration and how your firm lawyers compare to the general population out there in terms of where would you put them on the scale? Sure. So we are actually really transparent. And the way we've modeled our business is there's a base salary, which is a very comfortable, healthy base salary, probably about median for, for lawyers in the GTA. You know, on top of that, I always work best when I sort of have uh, a model where I, I have goals. And I think that goals are really important, both, you know, personally, professionally, and as a company. So we have, we have a profit sharing model as well. So you get a nice, healthy base salary, but once you start to, you know, exceed billings of X, there's profit sharing. There's no partnership track though. It's the profit sharing model that you have. Exactly. So we kind of position is, I, I actually haven't had a lot of, lawyers interested in the partnership model anymore. Our lawyers seem to want to, I, I don't know if it's just more traditional model or if it's a model that's changing. I've heard some people say that it's a model that maybe is on the decline. I don't know, but it's not something that's here. The, the lawyers that work for us, they want to learn. I mean, they want to be compensated well, who doesn't? And they, they want to be able to do a lot of interesting work. So we have certainly our lawyers who do do the best do significantly, significantly more better financially than I would say the median in Toronto. And, um, you know, ours that are just starting out would still be covered by our pretty median across Toronto. Our goal is to get everybody up there doing well, well, well above the median. And that's just because if you're going to work hard and love what you do, then you should be compensated for it. It gets in the way of, of somebody joining your company. I, I would say that Look, it's not for everyone. If you're someone who doesn't thrive in an environment where you're going to be, there's going to be a lot of client interaction, not everybody does. And that is absolutely okay. Look, I, I probably wouldn't be okay doing that for 40 hours a week. I could do it, but it's not necessarily my skill set. So somebody I would say who thrives on client interaction and face-to-face -face interaction. The other piece is we really encourage our lawyers to learn a broad skill set. So if you come to Access, you're not just going to be doing wills, which is also a case. A lot of people like to be specialists and they might want to specialize 
in estates and just do that. Our focus is, look, let's have you do estates work and we're going to make sure that you become very, very good at it. But we also want to make sure that you can learn enough about real estate and enough about family. And that gets sort of layered on. So I hate to use the word generalist, but I would say certainly we're not specialists here in the sense that we narrowly sort of define our niche people. So someone who only wants to do one thing, that would be a bit of a stretch. Um, We do have a couple of lawyers on our real estate team who do mostly real estate, but anyone who's practiced real estate will tell you that's not pigeonholing. Real estate is so big and so broad. You're you're still almost a generalist when you're doing it. So that I would say that look, someone who I think is not at the stage in their career where they're really hungry to grow and learn. And let's face it, there are different stages of your career. At certain stages, you feel more hungry to learn. At other stages, you might have other stuff going on in your life. You know, we have lots of lawyers who have kids who have had kids and they've done great here. Um, And I actually think it's particularly a good fit for a lot of young parents because the schedule is flexible. So we have people work weekends, work evenings, work this, work that. And we're often able to sort of, you know, around the arrange that schedule. So it works, especially now while COVID, when if you have a spouse or a partner and you don't have your kids are home, right? Because the schools are closed or whatnot, you've got to arrange your schedules differently. You're basically doing shift work, the two of you, right? Right. So let's just go through a quick process of when you hire somebody. How does it work? Pre-COVID, I'll, uh, I'll kind of give you what our normal process was, because now it's obviously evolving a bit. We, we would do, there are several steps, actually. So usually put up an ad or get referrals. We often would make several steps before we would do an interview. So the idea is we don't want to make it too easy. So we want those people who really want it to sort of come to the forefront. So if let's say, for example, you were to put in a resume and an application, I would typically, we would get that. We would take the ones that we thought had the most promise. And those we would usually define as typically we would avoid resumes where someone had jumped around a lot in the past. Another one that I might avoid is someone who's been in a very specialized area for years, someone, you know, where securities lawyers for 10 years all of a sudden they were let go and now they're applying here. Look, that might be the case that you want to change your career track, but there would need to be a story attached to that, to this, that would sort of support that idea rather than I just need a paycheck because that's not a good fit for anybody, right? So we'd find those resumes that we thought were, would be a good fit, filter those out, and then usually ask a series of, let's say, five follow-up questions by email, right? So, okay, great, you know. Tell me about your favorite job in the past. What did you love about it? What are you looking for in a job? These types of questions. Um, Sometimes we'd ask about salary expectations, things where the answers are nice because you actually get to know them. Are they giving short answers where it looks like they don't really care? Are they actually giving longer answers? Does it look like they're invested in this process? And then there are the people who they applied to, let's say, 100 jobs. And they're like, okay, this is too much work. I'm not going to respond. And that's what I actually find really valuable. So now we're narrowing down our group even more. We usually do that like two or three times with some follow-up questions. And then the ones who are remaining, we would do probably a series of two in-person interviews or one like a Zoom interview first and then an in-person interview. Now we're just doing them like this, but used to interview everybody in person as a final step. That process is usually at this point, you have a really good feel for who they are. You've met them. And of course, you know, part of it is, are they going to show up on time? If they don't show up in time, fine. Maybe the TTC broke down and you've got to sort of give them a a pass on it. It happens, but you can kind of just tell a lot. I usually would start the interview (laughs) by um, 
by asking three questions sort of in an informal way. And this is just to assess attitude. I, I usually would try to sort of pepper in three questions, you know, like, how was your trip in? How's the weather out there? And usually something about their weekend, because we typically hold interviews on Monday or Tuesday. And the, the, the reason that we ask these questions is I like to kind of hear how they answer them. So oftentimes, you know, even if the weather's bad, you want to see if someone is going to answer all three of them in sort of in a positive way, which is fine. But if you get someone who comes in and they're like, look, the weather's terrible, it's freezing cold, it's, it's, it was a horrible trip in, the traffic was terrible, and you know, my weekend was kind of, you know, bad because the weather was terrible. It's like, okay, if you get three negative answers, you think to yourself, and you don't like to judge too much, but at the end of the day, you're working with these people a third, a half of your life. You, I really like to foster a positive environment. And that doesn't mean that people can't be cranky because, you know, everybody is, I am too. But, you know, as someone who's consistently seeing the glass half empty, it just like, it spoils the vibe quickly. So someone who can kind of just even take some bad weather and have a laugh about it, or just kind of be a little bit seeing the glass a bit half full, I, I find to be huge. So I really, think that's really, really important for anybody interviewing anywhere, all of the excellent tips and layout of this scenario that you've provided, because it shows people what they need to do in order to prepare properly, what the person's really looking for before they even get there, and how to conduct themselves in the interview. Plus, before they even start, one of the things that they should be looking at is to really know about your company and to know yes. what they're, they're, they're coming into, because this is an untraditional legal path. We're not talking about the typical path. So take the time yeah. to actually understand what this, this, this company is all about, what their mission is, what their values are, and where they want to go, and how they want to really affect change in the legal world. Because it sounds to me what you really want to do is to make not just affordable legal services, but highly effective and the type of legal services that people aren't compromising on. They are getting excellent provision of their services at a price point that is affordable and that they are able to then do everything that they need to do in terms of their their legal necessities without worrying that they're not going to be able to do this. Do you expect anything else out of the people that they come in? I see that, you know, a positive attitude is super important. Anything else that you're really looking for? You actually just touched on something that I, I failed to mention, which is extremely important knowing the company you're coming in to interview with i have had a few cases over the years probably more than a few actually which is peculiar where you start the interview and you say you know so tell me what you know about access law and you're kind of met with a blank stare and sometimes you think okay you know the person's a bit nervous that's fine let's try to let's try to loosen them up by talking about the weather or something <laughs> but right. i've had a few instances where you can tell they really don't know anything about your company and you think why did you even bother coming down here today? Like you're wasting my time. You're wasting your time because there's no way you're working here. But I think I'm always extremely impressed, extremely impressed when someone comes in and, you know, they, they know something. It's not just about feeding your ego. Oh, wow, I'm so glad they know about our company. It's about like this person cares enough that they went on the website more than just in a cursory manner, more than just saying, oh, I see that you do real estate wills and notaries and some family and a bit of business. But they actually know and they say, oh, look, like, I know that you do these kind of services. I see that you kind of have these types of office locations that you offer your services virtually. I assume this is the type of work you do. You've, they know what they're doing and they care enough about the opportunity. They care about their own time. They respect their own time enough 
to have actually looked into this. Like we don't need a thesis on it, but we need you to have sort of an understanding of what we're talking about. What kind of career results could we expect now in terms of this person joining the firm that don't have a partnership track, they have the profit sharing model, they have the ability to expand into different areas. What would a career progression look like for somebody with your firm? This is oftentimes self-driven, and I, I really like that because our team is very sort of passionate and, and driven to start with. So I can give you an example of a couple of people, then I can kind of broaden that. But we have, you know, one of the heads of our real estate department, she did her law degree, I think, over in, I believe, the UK, came back, and she was an NCA student. So that takes time. You have to go do your, your NCA qualifying exams for those of you who aren't familiar with that so that you can then article and be called to the bar here in Ontario. So that takes time. So between NCAs and articling, I mean, that's usually a couple of years. So she started with us as an assistant. She worked at one of our offices. Then she got called to the bar. She worked as a lawyer in one of our offices doing wills, a bit of family work, learned a little bit about real estate and realized she liked real estate. So we brought her back to our head office and we, she is a lawyer, but we had her actually work as a clerk for a few months, just because we all know clerks do so much and they know so much. If you really want to learn about real estate, I don't want you to suddenly start being a real estate lawyer. Let's have you do the work. You are going to learn. It's so valuable. So she learned the clerking for a few months. We put her into the real estate position. Then our head real estate lawyer ended up going on mat leave and she just took to it so well that she actually ended up heading up the whole unit, which is huge. I mean, we do a lot of closings. So there is an opportunity for all of our lawyers, if they become passionate about something to come to me and say, look, like I love another one of our lawyers is really into estates work and doing, you know, various types of probate. And while she's working on what she's currently working on, we're building out that service area to be able to involve more things. So while there's not a traditional partnership track, as it's called, a lot of the benefits that would accrue with that are here as well. I mean, you get certainly the profit sharing, so the compensation part, but you also get the ability to really direct your career if if it makes sense and we can come to a mutual understanding on it. Which I haven't said no to a decent idea yet. I mean, if the idea is good and we can make it work and it makes business sense, let's do it. You take the lead. Tell me how we're going to do this. Okay, fine. And let's go. So it's a progressive, innovative place to work with lots of potential for development of your career, your interests, and to be able to expand. And as you mentioned at the beginning, you're looking at BC and Alberta. The sky's the limit. The company can expand in numerous places. So there's lots of opportunity, especially working virtually and with the mobility agreements. So there's yes. a ton of potential here, I see. For Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out herlegalglobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.